fourth batch. Exams were fascinating. Yeah, well, I was completely naive. I had no training in medical education. So I had no idea what was required, not really. Did you go to other medical schools? Yes. Well, one of the people who helped me a huge amount was Chris Bulstrode. Right. Now, I know Chris is an eccentric. I know, but he's a great man. He's a great man, yeah. and he had very clear views about education and what was needed. Was he a consultant at the NOC then? Um, he must have been on the A&E, I think. Yes, or sure. He was, two. but yes, sure. In fact, uh, come to think of it, I did go on a course that Chris ran for educating consultants, teaching consultants how to teach, and that was one of the first occasions I actually realised that you could learn how to teach. That's right. Mm. Inspirational. So when I took on this role and realised we had the QAA coming and I was going to need help, I actually called on Chris and Vicky Hunt, who's now his wife, who ran the educating courses with him. Was she a doctor or a medical doctor? No, she's an educationalist. Yes. So I pulled them in and said, look, I really don't know what we're going to do here. We've got the QAA coming and I think this, we've got a problem. And they said, yes, we do have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so and they were a huge help. The NOC as well. Yes, the, yes, everything. Yes, yes. everything. Yeah. When did the business... And the preclinical school. Oh, right. oh yes, yes. Oh, right. This was a whole school inspection. And how did you relate to the preclinical school? Well, I, I worked very closely with Stephen Goss. Yes, I know. Very closely. Right. And it was a real opportunity for better communication across the two halves because we had to present ourselves as one school but in fact you know we've been in silos <laughs> so it was it was marvellous it really when did the business of videoing uh, consultants you know giving lectures or talking come in because I gather that people were videoed and then it was played back to them and they could see it um, yes, nothing to do with you. Not specifically with me but we did do we did do quite a lot of training yes. of teachers and we explain to them what because the QAA were going to come just choose random things to come and sit in we didn't know what they would want to watch but they could come to anything yes. so people had to start thinking about what the aim of their lecture was had they set learning objectives people said what is a learning <laughs> yeah, objective no, indeed. Said, no clue so yes it was it was a very interesting 18 months and would the learning objective have to fit into the curriculum as it yes was? yes it had yes. to be achievable as well, yes. and it had to be measurable. Right. So how do you know that your student has actually achieved whatever it is? So how been? much formal student feedback was there when you started? Um, there, was a, a, there was some negative feedback, which I think yes. David... But I mean, people were filling in forms or just talking? Well, I think there was not... not it wasn't connect, co- collected yes. in a particularly rigorous manner, so yes. that all changed as well, yes. We so what happens now feedback. about that? I mean, oh. Is it at the end of every session or once no, a month? No, it's at the end of their attachments. Yes. There's a very good way of collecting the feedback yes. now. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah. so it, it's all it's hugely changed. And Tim Lancaster, my successor, has been fantastic. Yes, Because yes. he's got a good medical education background. Now, when you say your successor, I mean, you did three years, but then you were a sort of honorary or attached part-time. <laughs> That's right. I continued with a hat on, curriculum hat. I did three years and... I could have done two more. Um, it was three years renewable for two, and they offered me another two. But actually, I was only doing, because of the QAA, I was only managing to do a half day to a day of dermatology. Well, I was wondering about I that. I really had had A to, week, a half day a week. Yes, yes, I'd had to stop my dermatology virtually yeah. completely. This yes. was almost a full-time appointment. The Director of Clinical Studies now is not as many sessions. And 
I actually loved dermatology and yeah. I knew that if I, I'd lo- I was losing my skills and I felt that yeah. actually three years was enough and, and what I wanted to go back to what did your colleagues think of it too? The, my colleagues, well, we were able to use it to get another consultant, which oh, right. it worked out quite well. <laughs> <laughs> so did Peggy follow you as director? Peggy wasn't director of clinical studies, no. no. I brought Peggy in. When I was appointed, um, I needed somebody to help with the pastoral side. Yes. And so, because my predecessor was John Sear, and Joan yes. Trial used to do the pastoral side with him. Right. So I recognised that Peggy, who I'd known since yes. I was a student, had huge strengths and that it would be really great to have her yes. to help with the pastoral side. So yeah. I brought Peggy in as an assistant or associate director of clinical studies. So this is all after John Lettingham's first session? This, yes, what after John Sear. I was after John Sear. Yes, right. And did John Lettingham do some after you? Or not? No. Oh, right. So I did it for three years uh, with Peggy, and I brought in the other person I brought in was Helena McNally, who is a medical educationalist, mm-hmm. who was also tremendous. Where did you bring her from? Well, you know, it's all chat. Yes, it is. <laughs> because Peter said his his colleague Martin McNally had a wife who was a medical educationalist. Yes. And uh, so, so I because I knew that well I knew Vicky Hunt obviously yeah. didn't want an appointment formal appointment in the medical school she was just coming in to do a bit of advising for the QAA side yeah. of things but we needed a medical educationalist embedded in the medical school yes. and uh, I talked to Helena and said well I think you know please would you like to come and I talked to somebody else David Brown and said have you got any money I'd like to get <laughs> Helena for a couple of sessions and she now does m- many more sessions and when did you start sorry you were going to say something no no I was yeah. going to say then Tim Lancaster took over from me so yes. that's the way it went and Peggy stayed on as an associate still doing pastoral work right I understand when did you get into sort of national dermatology then well that's when I went back to dermatology yes, yes. so I Develop teaching courses because I've now had the medical immersion in medical education. Oh, I realised that yeah. there were lots of dermatologists who needed help with teaching, so I wrote about teaching in dermatology and set up some courses on education, how you teach dermatology for. This was dermatologists yes. consultants. But you had a national course for teachers. And yes. Teachers. In Oxford. In Oxford, I yes. ran it for five years, I think. Here. And would you run that at the Churchill? I mean, is there no, a I ran it at a college. Yes. Yes. It's college based. It was residential, and it was. Yes. Yes, and have you fun. kept up links with St Anne's? Or? Not really. I, St Anne's were very good to me. Um, they gave me accommodation, but I... I when you were... A when I started, two, yes, no, sure. as, for, for that first year. Yes. But I actually used Osler House. I didn't understand colleges, I'm not, because I had not been a preclinical student. No, no, and no. that was a challenge when I became Director of Clinical Studies, because yes. I had absolutely no idea. Yeah. But the clinical students, by and large, don't use their colleges. Oh, they do now. It's right. changed. We've got... A, this is one of the things we did, was we strengthened the support that colleges give to students. So they now, most of them will be getting clinical tutorials from somebody who's linked to the college right. to supplement yes. what happens in the medical yes. school. Yes. So those college links have improved a little bit. And but will I they ha- once a week, once a month? It depends. Yeah. They'll, we usually get junior doctors will be appointed by our college as an associate right. tutor or support. They give them different And names. did you sort of urge this? Or yes. Oh, well, the colleges were beginning to do it and the students had produced a website showing which colleges were and which weren't, which were influencing where the students were going and the yes. colleges, there's a little bit of competition isn't there? Yes. So Did Julian Hopkins? Yes, he was, he was doing things. I he think, was very good in Brazenism yes, and I'll tell right, you about that. That's right. 
So that has gradually strengthened, and yeah. now and Tim has continued strengthening that. So I think most colleges do something. It was something the QAA picked up on. They were very concerned about inequality of provision. Yes, yes. And uh, we had to do something to try yeah. and encourage the colleges to give a little bit more support. So then you're teaching people nationally how to teach. How to teach. <laughs> yes. And when did you begin going to, to London to the British Dermatologists? British Association of Dermatologists. Um, well, I actually, we are very democratic in dermatology, so people apply, send in applications to be president. Right. And you get voted for nationally. Right. So It's a voting business, gosh, um, yes. yes. So, I mean, when you were vice or come, going to be the president, you had to run a conference, is that right? Yes, or, you do. Yes. Yes, you do. It was in Manchester. But you'd already been voted for by I'd that been time. Voted for, yes, yes. yes. Well, it, it was the year I was president. Yes. yes. yes right. Okay. Not the year before. No, 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 I don't think yes, it was the year no, before. No. It was the year when I was president. So how did you run the conference in Manchester? Brilliant. Manchester is a wonderful city for a conference, uh -huh. and we have a very good conference team. The BAD is an right. extremely professional organisation. Right. So you have to set program. You go and the officers and I looked mm -hmm. at the program, and decided. But I wanted a strong medical dermatology theme for that conference. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but, but what would that be then? Medical dermatology? No, I mean you said that, but what would the theme be exactly? Oh, well I'm, I meant for the, for the actual um, workshops, for the lectures, I wanted to make sure that... Dermatology, there's lots of surgery. Yes. Cos cosmetic dermatology is sort of creeping in there, and I'm not a great enthusiast. Mm. Uh, there's paediatric dermatology, there's contact dermatitis, allergy, immunology. Mm. The medical side of dermatology, by that I mean sick patients, the contact with patients with systemic disease, patients with psoriasis on systemic therapies, mm -hmm. biologics. I wanted to be sure that the theme for the conference mm -hmm. encompassed something uh, that, that covered that aspect of dermatology. Pityriasis, is that medical? Pityriasis, pityriasis rosea? Yes. Well, yes. That's Not even a disease. <laughs> <laughs> it, is a, it is a disease. But um, yes. So sick patients and, and lupus, and, acne, and you know, rheumato acne. rheumatological skin disease. Yes, How so about acne? Acne is, is dermatology, yes, yes no, that's no, medical no. dermatology yes. I suppose, but um, I really wanted, I was thinking more about the links with our physicianly colleagues. Right, So we, we had Carol Black, as, for, who was president mm -hmm. of the Royal College of Physicians, came and gave a lecture, for example. What on? I mean, she did systemic sclerosis, yes. she talked about, right. yes, I think. Yes, no, but, no, um, sure. Yes, so uh, leg ulcers, of course, there's a uh, big overlap with. Uh, I can't remember if we had a diabetologist talking. But um, we had a, a day that was devoted, or a morning that was certainly devoted to aspects of medical dermatology, and that has continued. So the BAD meet, annual meeting now, that is a very strong theme. Right. Yes. But you founded a different society. You founded we founded society. the British Society of Medical Dermatology, we did. Well, there were a number of us who felt that surgery was becoming so strong that people were forgetting right. the, our links with medicine and that side of things and we needed a voice. Right. Um, uh, there were people who said, but dermatologists, we're all physicians, we're all medical dermatologists, what is this? But actually, it's turned out to be a very successful society. So of the consultant dermatologists in the country, I mean, what percent would be in the medical dermatology? Medical dermatology society? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, we, I, I don't know. I suppose we've got a couple of hundred. Yes, yes, yes. A good lot. Yes. Nice number. Oh, nice it's a good, number. it's a yes. good strong society yes. now. It's doing yes. very well. Right. Yes. Now, there you are. But in Oxford, 
once you've been director of clinical studies and you give it up, you must look over and wonder how things are going. I know you said Tim Lancaster was very good, but do you, are there things that you would have liked to see happen that didn't? No, no, I don't think there are, because I think Tim has actually taken all the things we were doing and pushed them forward. Okay, yes. It's, it's doing really mm -hmm. well. And to uh, me, yeah. The numbers, I, it's one concern, is the way the medical school's expanded. We're up to 160 mm -hmm. or more now. Um, we are going to have difficulties with placements. Uh, I think it's interesting that Tim has had to pull back on the amount of general practice they do. Here's Tim, a general practitioner, the first GP who's been director of clinical yeah, studies, yeah. who actually cut a week of general practice experience from the curriculum because of the pressures right. in general practice. Do they still start with some general practice? They have very early, early on. Yes, yes they do. they like that. Yes, yeah. they do. Yes, they do. Yeah. So he's kind of cut back. It's very interesting. <laughs> they get it at other stages, but yeah. he's had to because general practice is under pressure for finding space for people later on. Foundation doctors are all going out into right. the community now. So there's quite a lot of tension there. Yes, good people used to stay with the general practice. Yes, they did. I, I remember going way out to Morton in the Marsh, I think, right. or somewhere. Or Guiting Power, was it? Right. Would, yes. that would that happen now or not? Yes, yes sometimes it does. Yes, yes. And um, say, just thinking of dermatology now, when do you assess them? At the end of their, what, three-month attachment? Of course, they never used to get an assessment at all. No, correct. So that was one of the things we had to change when I was directly <laughs> clinical studies. It's quite difficult actually pushing your own interests when mm -hmm. you're supposed to be looking after everybody, and sometimes mm -hmm. your own interests have to be <laughs> subsumed, don't they? Yes, yes. <laughs> but yes, we've now got an integrated assessment with primary care. So they get a, a masky, they have a proper dermatology station, right. and they've got to talk about something. It could be um, dealing with a mother of a child, There'll be actors in these stations, so you might have a mother with a baby who's got bad eczema and they'll have to counsel the mother about how to treat the child yeah. using topical steroids and a moisturiser, or they might have a, an actor who's just had a malignant melanoma removed and they have to talk to that individual yeah. about what steps they should be taking to reduce the likelihood of a recurrence. So they don't know the subject before they know, great. No. Uh, well, they, they may have a broad idea of what the stations could be. It doesn't mm -hmm. make any difference what they know. All the studies show they can just do just as badly. <laughs> they may be dealing with somebody with hand dermatitis. That's a really important area. Yes. Uh, they may have to meet somebody with a leg ulcer and talk about how you're going to deal with this venous ulcer and mm -hmm. getting them to move and lose weight. And So those stations, yes, we wrote those stations. Um, and pass them on to general practice and then the GP lead picks a station. So they do an integrated assessment, they have orthopaedics as well I think in that assessment now and they'll have primary care or we call it care in the community I think and I think there's a bit of geriatrics right. so that's quite a big assessment. But dermatology is thoroughly embedded into it, yes. How long would you be at each station? Or at a station? I think it's probably about 15 minutes. Yes. And yes. would you do two or three? or? You will only, I think there's only, well, I think Tess has managed, I think we're possibly getting a second dermatology station, but it's often yeah. just one. And then there will be a written paper as well with multiple choice questions or standard matching questions, which would also encompass dermatology. So that's at the end of the placement or at the that's in at finals? The end of, that's in year five. Yes. Um, we do have finals, dermatology, because dermatology in medicine, yeah. finals, which we're supposed to call, calls just the... You're just supposed to call it the medicine and surgery Correct. staged yeah. assessment, not yes. finals, but we all do call it finals. 
So they could have dermatology as related to general medicine. So they may well have psoriasis in that one, actually. Right. That's the likeliest thing that comes up. And would they have medical ophthalmology or medical um, yes. acousia, yeah, yes. ENT? Yes, they'll have the eyes will come into the BM exam yes. in the last stage. Right. Yes. So what are you still researching on? Or? Oh, I stopped researching. Right. When did you stop? <laughs> I retired. No, so, right. no, no. So I do, I'm a foundation or was a foundation training program director when I stopped and I did that for three years or four years. I'm still, Peter Sullivan has still appointed me as now I'm a trust training program director because... The Oxford Hospital Trust yes, as well. with responsibility right. for teaching. Right. So I'm responsible for the induction of the new foundation doctors arriving mm. shortly. I've yes. organised their induction and shadowing program. And how long does that last? It lasts, they arrive on a Wednesday um, we give them a bit of time, one and a half days in a lecture theatre, and then they hit the wards. And they have a half day in a skills lab we've set up, so they can, because 80% of our foundation doctors are not Oxford. No. So no. that's a big challenge. They're all coming new to Oxford, and every hospital seems to have a slightly different way of doing things. Well, different absolutely. equipment, absolutely. different connectors. Yes. So we have to introduce them to the equipment, so yes. they have half day in the skills lab and the rest of the time they're working on the wards with the person whose job they're going to take over so they've got three days on the wards something like that so it's a week overlap is it or mm. three days well they come on a wednesday and i think they officially start work on the following wednesday uh, something like that uh, yes that's a huge change isn't it? yes yeah. yes and that's and then the rest of the year I'm organising the mandatory teaching programmes for Foundation Year 1 and Year 2. But the administrative department is brilliant in the Postgraduate Education Centre. So I'm, you know, I come up with the ideas, but they do the nuts and bolts right. of contact. So Year 1 and Year 2, that's after you've graduated? Yes, that's the first two years. And how much do you look after them once they've left Oxford then? Cause, or, or are you talking about the people in Oxford? I'm talking about the people in yes. Oxford. So wherever yes. they come from. Yes. Because yes. yes. I mean, in the old days, you knew what the weaknesses of the people trained in your medical school were. Well, you did. But now you don't know what the weaknesses of the Manchester people no, are. No, yes. and our consultants in Oxford are very frustrated that they spend yeah. all this time yes. educating our medical students to a superbly high yes. standard. They really are yes, top, top dogs yes. now. Yes. All the studies show that Oxford outperforms everybody yes. else. <laughs> And uh, they lose them all. And what determines where they go for their first, second jobs? Well, I think one of the reasons they're moving is they've had six years in Oxford and they know now the foundation programme is two more years. In our day, it used to be a year of being a house officer. Now it's two years. Mm. So they don't want two more years in Oxford. And a lot of them want to come back for their core medical training or their specialist training. Right. But they need a bit of time away. So I think it's probably a very healthy thing right. to go somewhere else. So a lot yeah, of them no, want to go to London. Yes. So they apply for jobs elsewhere. Yes, they do. Because you know the American system, you know, that matches the hospital with the students. Is that what happens in this country It, it is. A, it, well, they, they do, they rank yes. their hospitals and yes. the hospitals for them. But the big problem, I think, is that there is no national exam. Now in America, they all sit the same exam, yes, so they yes. are ranked on their performance mm -hmm. in that exam. Mm -hmm. They haven't done that in this country, yeah. and we are supposed to put our students into quartiles, and that assumes that our top quartile are the same as everybody yeah. else's top quartile. Or oh, even more, we know, bottom quartile. Quite so. so, and I hate so. to have to say it, yeah. but actually they're not the same. No, of course they're not. And no. 
we need to, I think, fight yes. for a knowledge-based assessment. Clinical assessment, okay, we'll do locally, but I think the knowledge side of things should be tested nationally so that our students are fairly ranked, because they'll come out right at the top. So quite a few of the Oxford people won't get what they applied for as first choice. Correct. Even they should Including the ones who maybe applied for here, which right. is really frustrating. Yes. It's a huge change that, isn't it? Yes. Anyway, what haven't I asked you that I should have? No. <laughs> you've covered everything. I suppose one of the issues is women and working part-time. Yes, but tell me about that. Well, I think I was very fortunate um, because because of Rosemary Roon mm -hmm. and uh, being full-time in Bristol for a, as a pathology trainee was interesting with a small baby. You did have a bit, yes. Yes, James Burge arrived somewhat unexpectedly, as <laughs> they say, at the end of, near the end of my house jobs. So um, I went back to work when he was three months old. Yes. Yes. And what, did you have a nanny? Or? Yes, we had a lovely lady who came in. Yes. And, and I remember when I was doing, because I did on calls for pathology, can you believe we were cross-matching, Derek? Full cross-matches well, at I night? I can't believe it, yes. Goodness, I don't do that now. Anyway, no. when I did the on calls, Peter would bring James for me to breastfeed him at the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> so he was weaned when he was about four months old, five right. months old, that right. didn't last long. Mm -hmm. And then fortunately, when we came back here, I was able to, to do part-time training. So I think for women now, it is probably, it's probably more difficult. They've got to yeah. arrange job shares. But the, the scheme I had, it was, we were very fortunate. Yeah. And I came back from America for the interview for the senior registrar job in dermatology. Right. I had to fly home from Duke to be interviewed on the national scheme yeah. to get upgraded At to the senior expense? registrar. My expense. Yes, yes. And how old were the children in Duke when you were in Duke? Roughly. Five and three. When so we how did you manage that? Yes, there was a wonderful preschool that uh, James went to, uh, Duke University Preschools, and any after-school activity I could find, all mothers will know this, they all get put into after-school activities, our children. And, <laughs> yes. and, and Dinny, uh, at three, went to the Durham Nursery School Association, which was open from seven in the morning till six at night and you paid, it was a brilliant organisation, the fees were graded according to your income. So you were there was no part time, you paid the full whack. In fact yeah. I ended up paying the full whack because we were well, we were doctors, but it meant that Dinny at the age of three was mixing with a whole mixture of interesting children very of different good. backgrounds. Yeah, and good. she had a wonderful year yes. there. They were so good. Yes. 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 <laughs> so we, we managed. Yes. yes. But it is always a balancing act, yes. and uh, I think a lot of mothers feel they never do anything well because they're constantly stretched. But when you were back in this country, I mean, were the children going to school in Oxford, day school? Yes, and Dinny went to Headington, and James went was dragoning, and we had yeah. various people who picked up. But I was still part-time for a lot, and when I went full-time to Stoke Mandeville, Dinny started as a weekly boarder in, in Headington, and that yeah. worked pretty so well. So you were living James further in then, were you? No, we were here, because right, yeah. this is the right side of Oxford. And enough people Mandible. would drive you, well, no, drive no, the I kids, was, I mean. No, no, by then I had two borders, weekly borders or full border. James went to St Edward's, that was the only right. one we managed. Mm -hmm. yes. Sure, I saw one yes, thinking. Yes. Yes. Great. Yes. And what's the sort of worst thing that happened to you when you look back? Oh, and the other thing I should say, yes. supportive husband is key. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely key. Yes, yeah, I can believe that. Yes. <laughs> what's the worst thing? Yes, you, in your medical life. Happened to you? Well, I think it's people.
skill that are always the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not caring for patients, it's, it's getting on with people and yeah. making sure that you, because if you upset somebody, you're never going to put it right again. Right. So I suppose the worst struggles I had were probably in Stoke Mandeville, trying to get things changed mm. and the difficulties. There was a particularly tricky outpatient sister. I used to come home with indigestion. <laughs> <laughs> Peter would tell me to keep going, or John Wilkinson would reassure me and tell me to keep going. So I found that quite difficult. Yes. And is this what led your interest in difficult conversations <laughs> and <laughs> conflict resolution? Oh, I'm not sure that I have a particular interest in that. That's well, probably down on your list. Oh, I think there's a courses everybody there was, has to yes, do. There no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, we all have to do these courses, Derek. Well, yes. you, when you say you all have to do them, yes. we never had them. No, but you, now all consultants have to go on these things. But who's running the course? National or local? This be postgraduate education. Yes. In Oxford. In Oxford. And they'll all be run all over the country. People will need to go to these things. If you're an education supervisor right. or if you're in management, uh, you will be expected to develop your skills in these areas. And how many a year? I mean, two a year? Or? Well, you have to keep yourself up to date. You're supposed to go to your education supervision training, I think, every other year or something. Right. I mean, right. they're now keeping a big record right. of what people have done and made sure they're trained. And did yeah, you find, for instance, the difficult conversation course a good one? Yes, um, I think I only did that one very recently, and it was probably a bit late in the day. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> title, that's all. In fact, our medical students are much better trained now. The communication skills training they have is superb, and they really value it. There's been a complete change in culture. People used to think yes. didn't need this stuff, but actually, no, no. they're so are they more now. empathetic. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think yeah. they are yes. much more. Mm-hmm. And they're technically as good. Technically, they're better. Yes. Yes. Technically, they've got proper supervised clinical skills training. Right. So, like that memorable urologist in Swindon yes. who taught me properly how to do a catheter, yes. now they go up to a skills lab, they practice on, on mannequins, yes. they really yes. are much, much better. You see, in the old days, when there were, say, four students on the firm, they'd mostly do practical procedures because there were so few of them. And yes. But now they will do it on a mannequin. Yes. And... If they do it on a mannequin, are they as good as doing it on a person when they come to do it? They, um, it's not the same as doing no. it on a person, but they know how to put the bits together. So that side of things have been, has been sorted, yes. and yes. Uh, then they will be supervised when they're doing it on a person. But you won't get the situation where they haven't a clue how the various things assemble, and yeah. Yeah. they will be able to do it in the right order. Yes. And when you say they're supervised, because in the old days one read a book about how to do a practical procedure and then, and then did it by oneself. Quite, and you can... But Peter do they still read the book? Or? Yes, they, they may well read the book, but yes. they, they, will, they will have a really good practical session yeah. in the skills lab. Okay, so what's the best it. thing that happened to you? The best thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think being director of clinical studies was the best yes. thing. Yes. I mean, that for me was game-changing because yes. I had an opportunity to do something completely different. I met colleagues from so many areas, you know, you're talking about the surgeons, yeah. but I wouldn't have had an opportunity to interact with the surgeons or the paediatricians or the psychiatrists yes. Yes. or the people down the road in the preclinical school. Yes. That, yes. Or the orthopods. Or the orthopods. <laughs> well, yes, I knew the orthopods. Yeah, <laughs> 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 they were the least of my problems. No, yeah. that, that was a wonderful three years. Yes. It was really made an enormous difference and I think that gave me a springboard then to go on and do the work in dermatology that I was able to do. I mean, in a sense, it was come with the, the man, because 
you were appointed with this ahead. Now, were you appointed in light of that, or were you just appointed, do you think? You mean it would be appointed because this was because going to happen QAA a year and a half. Yes. yes, they realised they needed somebody yes. who was going to bring about change. And I David Weatherall supported you in all this. Well, you better go and talk to David Weatherall. <laughs> 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 yes, he did appoint me. I don't know yes. who else was around or no, who no, else was interviewed. No. I, I think he would have been thinking people. of other things, perhaps. Yes, but yes. He, need, he they you knew, knew, they knew something had to yes, happen no. and they had to have somebody who was going to bring people along with them. Yes. Uh, so yes, it was it was for me it was a great opportunity. Right, well, that's yeah. great, Sue. Is that okay? We that's absolutely well, fine. Well, thank you very much for a super interview. Well,